0: heights to the depths of the sea
1: It was considered a great insult for David to let anything let his beard be unkempt like that and have, you know, saliva dripping down and he was feigning to be mad hoping now that they'll just let him go Because in that culture anyone who was insane like that many believed that he was either uh, influenced by a demon spirit and they, what they would do is they would just leave you alone because they didn't want to upset you. They didn't want the repercussions of what you might do in your unstable mental case.
0: Uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know name. You are amazing God. Oh,
1: powerful,
0: Welcome everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Who
1: told every where
0: it As David continued to be on the run from Saul, he fled to Gath which is the home of the Philistines. The Philistines of Gath recognized David as the king of the land of Israel, and David understood that King Achish would not let the man who killed Goliath go. David knew he was in trouble, so he devised a plan to humiliate himself before the Philistines and acted like a madman, which worked because the king let him go. In Psalm 34, David writes about this incident, and he talks about his joy and thankfulness when he says, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The Lord delivered him out of a mess that he made himself. Now let's join Pastor Rob.
1: Just come to me, David. Can you imagine the sword just brings back this flood of memories of his faith? I wonder... It may have been a stimulus to David's faith, perhaps. So, verse ten it says, "Then David arose and he fled that day from before Saul, and he went to Achish, the king of Gath." Now, Gath is roughly twenty-five miles southwest of Nob. What a great name! I wonder what they do in Nob. We make doorknobs. Where do you live, Nob? Well, you got a funny nose. It looks like a Nob. you know. But here he is. He flees from Nob. He goes uh, 25 miles southwest to this, the city of Gath. Now, what do you think about that? Where did Goliath come from? What was, where was Goliath's hometown? Was it not Gath? And now he's got Goliath's sword, the champion of the Philistines. He's got his sword. He's marching into town. Can you see that? You know, they've they got the gate open, and here you see this, this handsome stranger coming down. And... Wow. <whistles> He's coming in with his sword. And you can imagine, I wonder if David thought to them, I bet they I bet maybe they'll fear me. Maybe they'll still fear me. Hmm. But Gath was the birthplace of Goliath. It was also one of the five major cities of the Philistines. The other four were Gaza, Ashkelon, Ekron, and Ashdod. But does it make sense that he would go into this place of the enemy? You know what that's like? That's like an antelope going into a den of lions. It doesn't make sense. But you know, for some reason, David's thinking to himself, Saul's got control of the whole army. Even though they love me, who knows what they think about me now. He has control over them. So I guess my only option is to flee to the enemy. Maybe they'll be more merciful. Maybe they can use me to fight battles against my own people. And that's exactly what happened we're going to see that but it's insane he's it's insane he 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 does some pretty strange things and you know have you done strange things when you were in fear or when you were feeling pressed beyond measure have you done anything that was desperate raise your hand if you have i'll be the first to do it have you been have you done something really strange when you were fearful or pressed beyond measure we've all done strange things and you know what Usually it's in times like that that we really make our big mistakes. I think of the Apostle Peter, after all that the Lord had shown him, after all that the Lord had done in his life, and then at the end of Jesus' life, Peter, under great pressure and fear, he denies the Lord three times. What do you do when you're in great pressure, when you're in great fear? Let me suggest to you, stop. Stop and pray. And don't do anything hastily. When you feel like you've got to do something right now, you better be careful. When other people are telling you, you've got to do it now or you're going to miss this opportunity, it'll never come back again. Have you heard that before? Don't listen. If it's God's will, he's going to bring it back. It's always better to pause. I mean, if, you're, if your child is in the middle of the road and you say, you better go save your child. No, I don't think so. No, you go and you get the child from getting, you know, not talking about that, but when you're forced to make a snap decision, and boy, you better do it now. You better do it quick. Here's what I recommend do it now. Do it now. You better back off and say, I'm not doing anything until I pray. <laughs> some things you can do. I mean, you understand what I'm saying, but take the time. Don't do anything hastily. Notice in verse 11, and the servants of Achish said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands? So David took these words to heart and he was very afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them. So now in pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate and let his saliva fall down on his beard. For this to happen, to, from one man to another, to uh, disgrace his beard in any way, or for a man to do it himself, do you realize in that culture that was like a very huge no-no? It was considered a great insult for David to let anything, let his beard be unkempt like that and have, you know, saliva dripping down as he was feigning to be mad, hoping now that they'll just let him go. Cause in that culture, anyone who was insane like that, many believed that he was either uh, influenced by a demon spirit, and they, what they would do is they would just leave you alone because they didn't want to upset you. They didn't want the repercussions of what you might do in your unstable mental case. So they would just kind of hot potato kind of thing, get him out of town, you know. So David hopes that that'll happen. Indeed, that did work. It did work. So then Achish said to his servants verse 14, "Look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought to me? Have I need of a madman? Have, have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house?" <laughs> Pretty interesting. Some Jewish writers believe that Achish's wife and his daughter were insane. It's not written in the Bible, but um some Jewish writers have have said that this man had a wife and a daughter who was insane. So he's probably going, I know exactly how this works out. And you know what? I've got enough on my plate. Thank you very much. See you, David. See you in St. Louis. We'll even give you some victuals for your way, for your journey. Maybe we'll even give you something to go away on. Give him a donkey. Yeah, just, just get him out. And uh, see you later. Love you. But see, the thing is, is, David lost his sight, his eyesight on Jesus. He lost his focus on Jesus. Have you ever lost your focus with Jesus? I have. It's painful. It's painful. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. We'll be done here shortly. Matthew chapter 14. The scene of this is, is very important. Jesus was on the, if you're looking at a map of the Sea of Galilee, which is north in the northern part of Israel, if you look at it and you look on the western, or the, excuse me, the eastern shore of the Galilee, this is where Jesus fed the 5,000. This is where he fed the 5,000. Gennesaret, which is a place where we go, when we go to Israel, we go to Naf Gennesar and we're at our is right there on the beach. And so therefore, Jesus went from the opposite side of the lake on the east side, and he comes west. And, and, and let me read to you. It says, When Jesus uh, heard it, he departed from there by boat to a desert place. Um, but when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion on them, for and healed their sick. And when it was evening, notice that his, his disciples came to him, saying, "This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy food." And you remember what happened? You know, they had just a, a, a they only had a, a five loaves and, and two fish, and Jesus said, "Set them down into companies," and then he, then he blessed and he broke the bread. And he gave to the disciples, and so they all ate and were filled. And then they took up of the fragments of that 12 baskets full, big baskets of the fragments that remained. And those who had eaten were about 5,000 besides women and children. But notice what happens immediately following. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. So they're on the east side, go west. So they get in the boat, and it's about a seven-mile hike across that lake. And so the disciples... It says, now when evening came, Jesus was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. And there's mountains all around, so Jesus can see. Just picture it in your mind. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch, this is somewhere between three and six in the morning. They've been working hard to get to the other side. When the disciples, and and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered, and I love this. You know, for all the boneheaded things that Peter had done, I can relate to Peter really well, because I do a lot of boneheaded things. He's the only one. Who walked on water? Other than Jesus, do you know that? He's the only one. Notice, he said, "Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you on the water." And so he said, "Come." Didn't even skip a beat. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw, here's the thing. When he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased, and then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And I love this. And what's the point of this whole thing? Focus. David has lost his focus in God. He's got his eyes off of Jesus. He's got it on all the surroundings. And what did Peter do? Jesus says, come out, Peter. And Peter began to walk on the water. And can you imagine? Nobody in history. I mean, when even during the Exodus, the water parted, and they went through on dry ground. But now you've got somebody, only him, other than Christ, walking on the water. Can you imagine? Other guys kind of berating him later. Yeah, you denied the Lord three times. <laughs> what an idiot. And he's like, yeah, but I'm the only one who got out of the boat. What about you guys, you lightweights? I mean, they probably had fun like that, i got to imagine. He was the only one to get out. He was doing just fine as he was looking at the Lord. And what's the point in all this? Keep your eyes on the Lord. Especially right now, everything is falling apart. There are so many things going on, folks. If you get your eyes on all these things that are going on, there are circumstances surrounding you, things that are happening. And trust me, if you're a, a news junkie, you're going to have no peace, and you won't have any sleep, and you're going to have to take a few more pills to go to bed. Is that really the way the Lord would have you live? Would he have you to be pieced out knowing that he's got everything under control? Wouldn't it be better just to pray about these things? Maybe not be so in tune with everything. I love people say, well, I've got to know everything that's going on so I know how to pray. Believe me, I think that the Lord would rather have you be more pieced out and be a better witness for your own life and your family and your church family than to be a basket case like I was. He would rather have you do that because there is not one thing I can do I'm going to lift my prayers to him, and I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to go to sleep. I lay me down to sleep. (laughs) The Lord gives his beloved sleep. Do you want to have peace? Then cut out some of the stuff you're listening to. Cut out some of the stuff you're watching. YouTube is a big problem. So many people getting side railed now with YouTube, all these different preachers, and there's nothing wrong. There's some that are really good and they're doing the right thing. They're preaching the word, they're doing right. And then there's others that are leading people astray. People are getting whacked. So many weird things are happening. Be very careful, folks. Make sure you're a Berean. Look it up in here. If it's not here, dismiss it. Stop watching it. You're better off reading the Bible yourself. Seriously. Social media. Cable news, get rid of it, even Fox. Get rid of it. You will be much better. You will be much better. Get your eyes back on Jesus Christ and get your eyes off of the circumstances. That's the sermon. That's the message tonight. Get your eyes off of that stuff and turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will do what they will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace that's what we need to do folks that's what i need to do and i can tell you that i've been doing that and my everything is changing for me it's been more uh, there's been challenges uh but i can tell you in my heart i'm at more i'm at a greater peace and I want that for you too. The Lord wants that for you. Because that's when we do the best. When we are just submitted to Him and waiting upon Him, trusting in Him, and loving on Him, and loving other people, regardless of their political persuasion. Who cares? Love them. Be Christ to them. Can we do that? I love what David said in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not even death itself, but the shadow of it, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love that. There's no fear. When you're in the center of God's place, he who abides in the secret place shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Abide in Christ. Abide in him. And cut out all the negative stuff in your life. Abide in him. Abide in him. him and you will be so much better. Let's turn to Psalm 34, and we're going to read this psalm, and then we will finish our time this evening. Psalm 34. If you'll notice at the, I believe it's called a prologue, I think, that little amount of text right before the psalm. And it's very fitting for what we've just read because David wrote this psalm based on what we've just read. As he is before Ahimelech, the madness before Abimelech, I'm sorry, who drove him away and departed, David wrote this psalm in response. As he became an older man and he was looking back at this time, you know, age has a funny thing of... It does funny things to you, you know. As you get older, you look back on things and events in your life and you kind of put them in perspective. You kind of size them up, which is always a very healthy thing to do because then you can realize, you can see how God worked in spite of you most of the time. So David's reflecting later on and he writes the psalm about this 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 circumstance that we just read, this chapter. I would encourage you to read the chapter again and then read Psalm 34 again and it will... Add new meaning, but let's just read it. It's not very long. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. I would say so, David, out of all those things that he went through. The madness that he went through, the lying, the, you know, the finagling that he did, the acting like a madman. <laughs> David looks back and he says, Lord, you delivered me from all of my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man, and I, I'm assuming he's speaking of himself here, David. He said, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. And see, that's the same for us today too. Are you ser- s- searching the Lord out? Are you uh, crying out to him? The Lord always responds to desperation. If you are sincere and you're calling out to God, he's never going to leave you high and dry. He will always come to you. If you're, especially when you're sincere and your heart is broken, he will never leave you. Who do you run to? Notice verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. I think he has something uh, to say about that, don't you? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What a great exhortation. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want or no lack to those who fear him. Fear in, in a reverence. And certainly, we need to fear God in reverence, but we also ought to fear him uh, because he's the only one who not only can put to death the body, but can also send a soul to hell. Right? didn't he say, rather fear him. Don't fear what man can do to you, because all man can do is kill this body. But what happens after the body is dead? You've got a a resurrection yet to come. You've got to stand before the white throne judgment, if if you're not a believer. And there's no hope for you then. Then you're eternal damnation forever, ever, for eternity. David says, fear the Lord. You, his saints, there is no lack to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. And you can hear this man at this time, who knows how old he was, and he wrote this. He says, come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What a wonderful thing. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Who is that man? If there is, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Does David know what he's speaking of? Sure, because he was that man. He was that man. He owns this verse. He owns it. Maybe you do too. I can certainly own this This verse. Notice verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Verse 15, turn off YouTube and all social media. Oh, that's not in there, is it? I'm sorry. Uh, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. I love this. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. But the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Was that David? You better believe it. He was in the darkest moments of his life, and the Lord heard him. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems or buys back the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. I love that, don't you? And so David wrote that psalm as he reflected on this chapter that we looked at tonight. I'd encourage you to read it again. Read the chapter, 21, and then read that psalm, and just think about it. Think about it. And and be encouraged. Again, don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the exhortation of your word. Lord, we know that you're a good God and that you love us, and Father, protect us from, from legalism. Lord, protect us from fear. And Lord, help us to be men and women of God. Lord, not abusing grace, not abusing and taking advantage of, of anything that you have, God, but rather being humbled and loving you, Lord, as you loved us. Lord, help us to love each other as you love us. And give us Give us your spirit, God, upon us daily, Lord, how we need it, especially in the world we live in now, Father. So many things going on that we can't control. And actually, Lord, that just seem madness to us. Just crazy things. We certainly live in unique times, God, and you are continuing your program. Lord, give us your spirit. Pour it out upon us. And help us to be faithful ambassadors of yours.